and welcome to another night of Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. And welcome to another evening of promised revelation and insight straight from the throne of God. I tell you, each week I think, can it get any deeper? Can it get any better? Yes, it can. As I reflect on last Tuesday, Dr. Price made uh, amazing statements. She went into this whole prophetic vein on marriage and marrying the right person. And uh, one of the statements she made it, within all of that, not necessarily about marriage exactly, but was your day of uh, deliverance, captivity, has an expiration date. Powerful statement here, people. Powerful statement that your captivity has an expiration date. And that puts me in mind of 3D, Dr. Price's book on deliverance and how you got into this intellectually, your captivity, and you must get out, which is why she says she will educate your devils off. Laying on of hands is bonus, not the substance, not the meal. This is sprinkles on top of the dessert. I say Dr. Price is laughing because it's true. And we make that the whole meal, the whole entree, and the whole restaurant. But that's why so many people walk away from those deliverance services not really delivered. They don't know how they got bound. They don't know why they were bound. They don't know why they are, may, may not be free. But tonight I have a feeling it's on a different vein. I have a feeling, Dr. Price, but you know what? You have a knowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I Yep, I want you to know that God himself is in this thing called scripturally organic Christianity. Just in case you didn't know, I bet you didn't know that this is. Well, you know, I might have had some lingering questions. No, I didn't. Not about that. <laughs> I know about that. And uh, to hopefully our viewers are all tuning in on Sundays, even if they can't catch you live, Woo. catch you later going straight in on the scripturally organic, culturally unmodified, <laughs> and how this is just, it's like it's mushrooming and shape-shifting and morphing and expanding, and then our old ways are collapsing. <laughs> We're like, we need more oxygen, please. You know what? But we do. Woo, I'm looking at your PowerPoint. I'm excited. You're not supposed to pee. I didn't read those. I just looked. You're not ever supposed to peek. <laughs> but that's all right. You had you had privileges, actually, because, well, you've been around a long time. And somehow or another, longevity tends to give you privilege. Love it. A couple of perks every now and again, just because you've been around for a very long time. I'm excited about what God is doing. I have to tell you, I am so proud of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't even say. Uh, and I tell him that all the time, so, you know, he, he kind of, I guess he's used to hearing it. But I said... Well, but it can't ever be enough, because it's for sure people are cussing him out day and night. The man can't cut a break. Thanks, yeah, cussing him out, man. Okay. In the pulpit, okay? And you know the funny thing about saints, actually, the saints will say, well, you know, God will clean me up. No, he's not. If he was going to clean you up, you should have been cleaned up, because well, he saved you. 
to clean you, and you just probably jumped out the hopper too soon, jumped out the water too soon, etc. But that's another discussion. God is a sugar. Yes, he's my sugar. Sugar, sugar, Jesus. Honey, honey, Jesus. So make sure everybody's there. Hi, guys. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. I'm excited. This is a great evening. We're going to have good stuff tonight. Good stuff in Jesus Christ. First of all, we are in our blog talk radio anniversary. Does anybody remember that? That's right. Four years. Four years. And so we've been airing a, a what is it, a show a week, is it, or how is it going? It is the top 20 a show a day. Oh, excuse me. We have that many, right? Oh, there are <laughs> over 300. <laughs> yes, yes, we have that many. And um, it's a show per weekday. Mm-hmm. Just one of the highlights that, hey, and uh, wait, who am I? Producer's pick. Yeah, there you go. Producer's pick. Uh, these you know, are my favorite topics. 27 hats pick. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I'm naked, still holding. Still holding, my neck is still holding. Still holding fire. And each and every one of those, it was so hard to just pick 20. Uh, I'm thinking that, you know, in the coming months, there will be other themes and maybe different weeks. That you'll just have special things. Right. This week's uh, focus is on this subject matter. And what's great is how people are letting me know they're listening. I was going to ask you about that. By either liking my my text message, oh, my goodness, this. Start on show one, 
and catch one every single day. And it, it's great. You know, there was a time where nobody could find your voice. Nobody. Anywhere. They couldn't find it. And there was also a time before social media was this where literally everybody could have their own voice oh for God. free. Have their own channel, have their own shows, have their own networks, and never pay more than what it costs mm-hmm. you to broadcast. To, bro- to have the equipment. It's amazing how technology can facilitate a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such a powerful statement of the importance of sticking to what God told you. Oh. Because sometimes the inventions just haven't been made yet oh my. for you to fulfill purpose. Oh, my. And, you know, that's a powerful word because we were just talking earlier, you know, about different people saying we we just stayed um, went through. My husband was telling me he watched a um an Amazon special or something and how when they came out it was so hard for them. And huh. people were saying well, not gonna go, not gonna go, not gonna. well you realize that Amazon was out when had was just in the early days when I wrote Church Prophets. Remember they picked up my book Church Prophets. That's right. You, you know how long ago that is? That's like nineties um, you know, yeah, when I met you, it was um, profit, right? House profit, and they picked that up, and they still they still have it in the archives. It, it floats up every now and again. Someone See, but I just met you, so I was overwhelmed by the idea of being with Exactly. <laughs> but the reason I brought it up is because, you know, in talking about the CEO, when everybody was like abandoned, abandoned or whatever, how he said, uh-uh, we're just going to stick through it and ride it out. And, you know, that's what we've been doing for all the years that we've been here. Right. We just stick through it. Stick to it. People keep telling me if you would, Dr. Price, if you just change the, if you just stop talking about the, if you just, if you just bring it down a little bit more, if you just, and every time the Holy Ghost on the inside, oh, Don't you do that's it. not me. That's, <laughs> the, that's not me. Uh-huh. And he keeps telling me, you stay. Because sometimes, and I'm speaking to somebody that sometimes you just need to wait for the tide to change, for the trends to shift. Because it's you know we live in, a, in such an instantaneous society, and you heard all of these testimonies. You know, I started my church on Monday in the in the basement of the back room that's under the dungeon, and boy, I'm, I'm look at me, I'm on a hundred acres or two thousand acres, and it's only taken me six weeks. You know, first of all, any time you hear those stories, just step back and say thank you for the sketch, wonderful sketch, and then you go fill in the blanks. Because there are a lot of blanks in testimonies like that, a lot of blanks, a lot of connections you've never told, you weren't told about, a lot of deals that you weren't told about, a lot of God super whatever, a lot of tears and weariness and worn out, a lot of longevity. In other words, you're hearing the story from the from the rise, not the start. And so I've learned to I thank God for those testimonies because they inspire us. They tell us, hey, go after it. Hey, don't be afraid. God will eventually do it. But I don't take them at face value. Sometimes people give you the cliff notes of that, that process. You just get the cliff notes. Let's get the abbreviated piece. Let's get the piece that's more sensational. Nobody wants to hear that you cried for six weeks. Okay? Nobody wants to hear that you were left on the side of the road for 17 months. You know? But I like how God tells Israel's story. And Ezekiel 16 is one of my favorite stories. I think it's one of those that God used to try to tell me it's going to be a little bit. And, you know, bless his heart. <laughs> so, but it's that one where he said, as you were laying in your own blood. You had been born, but you were laying in your own blood, and people passed you by. Nobody cared, and nobody took pity on you. And then I came along. He said, and I looked at you, and I said unto you, live. 
and then proceeded to say, I picked you out of your blood, I cleaned you up, I washed you off, I salted you for preservation, I put great clothes on you, and he begins to tell you the process. And it reads in 30 seconds. Wasn't well, 30 seconds. You know, you read people's testimonies in their books, and, you know, reading takes a lot less time than achieving. And so I think about that often, and I listen to him when he was talking about that man, that CEO, but he knew he had the right vision. So you always quit if you don't know you have the right vision. You'll always change your message. You'll change your story. You'll change your approach. You'll listen to this one, and you'll listen to that one, and you'll join the masses, and you'll follow the herd, and you'll jump on board the wagon train because what you have was nothing but a variation of what is. But when you have to do something that is not popular, that is not mainstream, that's not commonplace, you better know your God, and you better know he gave it to you. And it's unfortunate that the church does not celebrate its heroes because there are a lot of people in the body of Christ who have done things that are so spectacular that are not just a 30-second testimony. That's not because me and six guys sat in the back room and prayed and, 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 and swapped checks and all of that. Uh-uh. People who had to get out there and like Israel were laying in their own blood. You were just bleeding on the side of the wall. You're, you're, you're whoever gave birth to you left you for dead, left you to die out, and were praying that you didn't die out so nobody knew they had that. And then here comes God. Oh, but here comes God. And he said, I said unto you, live. And I say to you today, who were left on the side of the road, I say to you who are bleeding and, and literally drowning in your own blood, I say to you whose umbilical cord was just yanked out and nobody bothered to cut it off, but I say to you, the Holy Ghost says, but live. He said, and watch me clothe you. And let God clothe you in those fine raiments. Let God do it his way, because if you're called to be something that never was, and every baby is called to be something that never was, because no two human beings are exactly alike. They just aren't. You can't even get two eyelashes to be alike, and they're yours. Yeah, well, this one here started dying, and this one here, that has a, see, that one has a little, like it's coming in. This one looks like it's, you see, because God is an ever-moving dynamic. The reason there's nothing exactly the same is because he never stops. So he's always doing something in the next place, the next point of time, with the next piece of resource. Oh, that's so good. Let me just stop the table because I got, look, guys, hey, <laughs> look at that. If you didn't see it, Sunday, look what I got. Come on, saints and God. That's like you know God is moving forward. It says, what does it say, Prophet Ashley? It says, Dr. Polonese Bright, scripturally organic, culturally unmodified, scripturally organic Christianity, culturally unmodified. It's the death! Hey! <laughs> training! Got me a gavel clock! I know it's going to have one, because I can't say I'm going to do it. So now when I hit the desk, whoo! I'm happy. Look, see? Here comes the judge. It is so. It is finished. It is done. It is God. It is real. Well, <laughs> I thought I'd book it out. What do you think? <laughs> I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> that's all right. You know what? Everybody didn't catch it Sunday, and that's okay because this one says hit the deck. 
Now when you say hit the desk, I really am going to understand what you mean. <laughs> God is good. Wasn't it, it's great. And I have a bunch of them. You know, I, I really thank Sister Paulette for getting a bunch of them. So I've got a bunch. I never know what they're going to say. You know? But I know I'm excited about it. You know what this means? This is establishment. When you start reproducing things after what you have in your mind, we're starting to move into establishment. I know, I'm convinced that spiritually organic Christianity is becoming established. I'm watching you minister it and mentoring it over the Internet, over your social media, and I'm having a blast. Come on, guys. Let's take this thing by a storm. Let's do what God needs. Let's bring God's people home to scripturally organic Christianity. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. Did you, hey, are you, are you, look, do you see? I'm excited. I'm on fire. I am thrilled. I am thrilled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and I am thrilled with you. Are we good together, guys? Come on, Riley. We are good together. We are team, listen, we are team supreme. That's us. We are Team Supreme right now because that's who we are together. When I come on on Tuesday, we're joining up. We're revving up Team Supreme. When I come back again on Thursday, because, you know, Tuesday's not enough. And then I come back again on Sunday, just remember we are good together because we are Team Supreme. Don't ever forget that because that's what makes us work. I work because of you, and you work because of me, and that makes us awesome because we are scripturally organic. Culturally unmodified. Woo! Loving on this Jesus. Are you loving him with me? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you loving him with me? Because you know there's nothing like loving on our Savior. He is so, uh, I tell him all the time, Jesus, you are sugar. And you know he likes it. I tell him, Savior, you are a sugar. And he knows he's a sugar, but he needs somebody else to get the, get the message. He's not surprised. Do you think he woke up one day and thought, when anybody's ever going to say Jesus is a sugar? No, he didn't do that. He said, I'm going to make me somebody who's going to say, Jesus is a sugar. And you know what? Here I am. <laughs> and I tell him, it worked, God. How's it feel? It worked. It worked. You made me. Here I am. I'm sitting there bold as I want to be talking about he's a sugar honey man. Yes, he is. And then I got myself a hit the death. Yeah, I'm going to cut up. I'm going to cut up just a little bit. But anyway. Don't forget, this weekend, if you haven't yet rented your car, <laughs> or you have rented your car, you haven't registered or not, we'd yeah. like, yeah, we like to know you're coming. But if you haven't re- yet rented your car, or if you've rented your car, and, you know, Prophet Ashley needs to know that you're in route, she's just supposed to be like that. Something about feeding and food. Mm-mm. There's a special deal this week as well. No, tell me about it. The registration, last minute deal. I think it's buy one, get one for twenty five dollars. Yeah, bring a friend. Yeah, go to your website, check it out. That's right, bring all your friends. All your friends, and bring your enemies too. We can help you make peace. That's right. But it's this weekend, and what is it? Come on, Prophet Ashley, come up. Hey, I take. Come on. Yay. Restoration. Oh, Restoration Weekend. Yeah. Okay. I was just wondering, you know what? You're not going to get the A today, baby. You're going to get a C minus. C minus. And you know, I don't give D, so that's about as bad as you can get because I never give a D. So C minus. 
Next time, because you have to be in my brain. It is written. Hallelujah. Don't worry about it. She's going to come back. Trust me. This is the bounce, bounce back king. Because she's going to be the king. She's going to bounce back and let me know I got this. Says, I will be there. Yes! You know I miss you, girl. You know I have to see you. That's my girl. Boy, okay, she is so effervescent. It's just wonderful. Wonderful. I love it. So listen, if you haven't yet rented your car, gotten your plane tickets, see, I'm not going to assume all of y'all are too broke. Uh, see, sometimes we assume that the whole body of Christ is broke. So I'm not going to assume every one of y'all are broke. I'm, I believe in God bless somebody out there with some abundance. I believe that God has abundantly blessed Christians in the body of Christ. And so if you haven't, make sure you get here. I want to hug on you. And guess what? We get a chance to sugar up Jesus on Resurrection Weekend. We get a chance to sugar him up. On the worst night of his life, we get to come together and praise him and thank you for it. Do you realize that was the worst night of his life? Now, don't give me this theological thing. It wasn't a Friday. It was a Wednesday. I don't really care. He had a bad night. (laughs) I don't really care. He had a bad one, and it was horrible, and he, he endured it, and he endured the grave, and he endured now, for us. So, ladies, we get a chance to be his sugars for the weekend. We're going to sugar him up real good. He's getting geared up, so we all, we might as well get geared up with him. All right, Prophet Toya, flying out. Come on, my girl. You know, come on, fast now. I get to get my bone. Oh, come, come on. on. Give it to me. Don't be holding me back. Come on. And then Tina Wheeler says she can't come but would like to sponsor someone. Yes, well, we need that, too, and we thank you, and I bless your sponsorship with the harvest in return. Above and beyond what you have sown. Woo, come on. We are because we're gonna sugar up some Jesus. You know nobody can sugar up for your honey like his women. Right. We sugar him up, you know? We don't arm wrestle. We just wrap our arms around. Because he's a honey man. All right, I'm I'm getting it. So don't forget it's this weekend. Bring your friend, rent a car, rent a bus. And listen, if you're really blessed, rent a plane. Hey, some people can. I mean, you know, I can't yet, but somebody can. Bless be God. And we are going to welcome you and have a great time just celebrating our Savior and letting him know how appreciated we are. And because he took all of that, we're all going to get healed because even though it was his worst night, it was the beginning of creation's healing. This is a healing time for us. Hallelujah. Isn't that, isn't that something? Okay. Well, we're on the subject of, and I know you probably thought I forgot, but I don't forget, so let me just go on and tell you. So, hallelujah. Praise God. I get the people to clean up the desk. I can't reach nothing. Let's be God. Let me just oh, get off the cloth. I got to get that. Hey, we're Team Supreme. We're close now. We have crossed over. Haven't we crossed over, guys? We have crossed over. We're not standing on ceremony. We are just crossing over as family. Yes. <laughs> so that, that's what it is. We got to clean some stuff for stuff now. So, all right, look at this. ABCs of apostleship. Do you all remember this book? If you have, <laughs> if you have not gotten your copy, do so, because what I'm teaching is in this book and this book. And maybe we might be able to talk Prophet D and them coming up with some sort of package thing. Uh, yay. ABCs of apostleship. 
discipling apostolic Christians. And why is it a big deal? Because all Christians begin their Christianity apostolic, and there's not a Christian on the planet that's going to deny that if they're a Christian by the Spirit of the living God. Now, if you came in some other way, hey, I can't speak to that. You know? Now, I just can't. You know? And so I, I want to just, just to remind you that this book is awesome because you know it is. I have a section on here, page 123, ABC's Apostleship, book two. Book one used to be, oh, yeah, there it is. Book one is up there. All right, I knew there was one. All right, book two. And I'm going to read a little bit because I want you to know what it is. Now, this opens up with three questions. What is heaven? What is heaven not? How do you convince people? Heaven is real. What kind of people would not want to go to heaven and why? That's good conversation. Isn't that a good conversation piece? Mm-hmm. So you want to just have, you know, strike up conversations with Christians. Hallelujah. Non-Christians. Hallelujah. You know, I know Jesus. Oh, see, he's getting ready to get started. Who's out there praying? Somebody out there praying because he is getting ready to get started. He's getting me all wound up. <laughs> I got to hit the table before I open my mouth. So, you know how we hear all of these religions and all of that, and they all, you know, we're part of the universe, and we're all going to go into the heavens of the universe. Here's something that you might want to know. That's how I know this is real. Because the heaven we're going to is not this universe. Ah, it is not this universe. Everything pertaining to this here creation Living planets, dead planets, frozen planets, fiery planets, doesn't matter, all goes away. God is not renovating this universe. He's done that enough. So let's read. What is heaven really like? Those who make it into God's world will not just walk around heaven all day. They will join him in his eternity to eternity lifestyle, and work, taking their place as leaders and taking up their duties as laborers to expand and sustain all of his realms. Heaven's preexistence makes the contest for your immortal soul real because the prize is your permanent citizenship in one world or the other. Your eternal obligation to the ruler of the light or the ruler of the darkness is a choice only you alone can make. Once you make it in this world, that decision is final, and the Lord will honor it throughout all eternity. Do not be misled. The consequences of that decision are completely out of your control. The choice is yours. The consequences are not. The choice is yours. The consequences are not. You know, every choice you make is yours. The consequences of those choices, they're not yours. You just hope for the best. Well, we'll just choose this and hope for the best. Well, we'll set it up to go this well, this way, cross our fingers. Why do you think we have that kind of language? Because the choice is ours. The consequences are not. Moving on. Do not be misled. The consequences of that decision are completely out of your control. Whatever the Lord says, both worlds hold for its residence, past, present, and future is what you will live with forever. The Almighty is 
as the maker of all things, he has the supreme right to demand what he wants in this world. People who tell you that, you know, um, God's going to just save everybody in the end, and, and, well, you get a chance to stop over in purgatory and get a bath and clean yourself up for all the stuff that you forgot to get rid of before you left the planet, those are people who don't believe God is real. Because to them, God is a concept and an idea. He's not a person. Because when you think about a person in charge of anything that predates you, that has already set it up before you get there, you have got to know they've already structured it to go the way they want. So if God was considered to be a real person, and as that real person, we accepted that God is holy, and we accepted that God is righteous, when we accept that he's the ancient of days, if we accept that he's the creator of all of this, we have to accept everything else he said, that it is the counter to man wants to die and then the judgment. So you can say, well, I just, I just think that he's a loving God. He is, but guess who he loves first? Himself. Guess who he loves second? Jesus Christ. Guess who he loves third? The Holy Ghost. Guess who he loves fourth? His godly host. Before there was an us, God's love was already framed, shaped, and permeating throughout people. So God didn't just wake up and say, oh, I'm in love. I can't remember love these people out here. I mean, since I'm in love, I guess, boy, they're so unlovely. Okay, but I'm in love because, well, I guess I got you. We don't dictate. You can't dictate a person's love. How many of you all had a crush on somebody and they didn't care less, they didn't care less? You dying inside. I mean, you wanting them, I mean, you are wanting them day and night. You're drooling at the mouth, dreaming all crazy at night, and they are oblivious to your existence. You go and step out of your little quiet world of torment and say, you know, I really love you. And they say, oh, that's unfortunate because, well, I don't love you. How many of you all know that story? Having the teenagers today all sick up and in trouble because they cannot control their affection for another person who could care less about their existence. So if we can't make a person love us our way on earth, how are you going to make the ancient of days, the eternal almighty, love you your way when you didn't even invent love? How am I doing, guys? Team Supreme. How am I doing? My family. So there is no way we can say that, and all of those sounds really good. It sounds so nice, and it's comforting. I mean, grief is horrible. The loss of a loved one is horrible, and God forbid if that loss is tragic. And really, it's just horrible. You can't imagine that. But you know what? Two-thirds of life is out of your control. And all of the choices, God never gave you power over consequences. He gave you power over decisions. He never gave you the power over consequence. Never gave that to anybody because we are entering into something that's already moving, which is why this wonderful book, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum was written. He said, shut up, Jesus. So if you, when you really love someone, can I hear the people say, but when you really love somebody, when you really love someone, you love them on their terms and you conform to their terms. You do it, and if you really love them, you conform. You think about all of the people you have changed your hair for, you've changed your style of dress, you've changed your appetite, pretended you love things that you absolutely hate, eat it in the restaurant, run in the bathroom, and throw it up. 
Come on. You didn't like it, but hey, it sounds good. You after you changed your 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 your, your uh, not just your appetites, but your hobbies. You changed your recreation. You swear I really love sports. You know, women always like to play together. I just really love sports. And then you're like, oh God. And we love sports until you take us home. At which point we never want to hear you talk about another game again. Cause that's the way it works. <laughs> Come on, babe, you're going to sit down and watch the game with me? No. I got things to do. But I was, when we were dating, you used to watch all the games with me. Yeah, because we were dating. We are past that. <laughs> <laughs> so, God is no different. Humans did not invent love, so they can't define it. And, if, and I'll tell you why. Listen to how many times. Can you define love? No, but love is, and every time we use a definition for love, boy, am I on a roll tonight? Give me another paper table. Yeah, okay. See, this, this new cloth has got me. Yeah.
He alone, as creator, possesses the ages' wisdom to govern the creatures he made and has the absolute authority to accept or reject each one based on his own criteria. And the number one criteria is salvation in Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. The rights the humans flaunt at God so arrogantly literally began with him and not with them. God was the first one to have a right because he's righteous, so he has some rights. You understand? And so he gave us a portion of that righteousness, and then he gave us the other side of it so we'll understand right from wrong, if that's what we want to do. And so I just thought you'd find, I, I, I finished my reading. Wasn't that good? Mm-hmm. I did it. Yes, I'm having a blast today. Got this new cloth. This is wonderful. I've got this wonderful weekend coming. I've got Bishop Gale in route. I've got Sister Boom in route. I'm excited. Are you excited? Glory to God. (laughs) 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 Come on, God. He's great. Let's go and look at, now that we've laid this out, let's look and see what some of the stuff is I came up with. Always remember, apostolic Christians are the first model type template of Christianity in all creation. Apostolic Christians are the first model type template of Christianity in all creation. Now, after that, we probably came up with, you know, I don't like this. We're going to have a little Baptist. We'll have a little bit of this Italian, we're going to have a little bit of Anglican, got some little Catholic going on over there. We'll have some of that Methodist, a little bit of that little, 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 you know, AME is good. That's really good. Have peace and Presbyterian. That's really wonderful. All of those have to do with us moving throughout the ages and out the kingdom of Christ. I negate none of them because, bottom line, only the apostolic Christian is what God's going to take to heaven. Now, not as a religion as a being. All of the rest are religions. But God redeemed Christians by apostleship. Now, you, how he places us and designated us on earth, I think our denominations are pretty much the same as our nations. Hallelujah. Maybe that's why it's denomination. I could be. You know, I might have hit, I might have hit on something there. Actually, I could. Oh, she want me to hit. Okay. There you go. Why? I hit it by six times today. You want me to get addicted? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so we need them. That's how God designated us. He raised up different people to manifest different aspects of him. Jesus is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. He's omni. Just omni all. Just pick something. And that's it's Jesus. So I don't have a problem with denominations. I don't have a problem with any of those kinds of things. Just like I don't have a problem with everybody not living in my house. Or everybody's not in my family tree. I don't have a problem with that. But what I do know is that we still have a model and a template that God gave us in his word. And so if you are born again by the word of God, spirit of God, you need to recognize that. Now, for those of you who like those religious battles, I'll tell you the way Jesus told me, Paula, I don't save religion. I save people. He said, I don't have one religion that I am bringing to heaven, not one. He said, not one. The only thing that God said that he was going to do is that he was going to have apostleship in heaven. He said these 12, these apostles going to sit on these 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, which means somehow or another he's got to work out that the spiritual versions, the eternal versions of the 12 tribes, 
pop down there in the church. So we're going to be there at least in, in terms of uh, nationality. It's not something. Jesus, Jesus himself said it. So I, I can do this because I know that. Now, do I want you to leave your – no, you do what you need to do. If God assigned you to a good Baptist preacher, stay with your good Baptist preacher. Just make sure they're good Baptists in Christ. If God assigns you to a powerful Methodist minister, hey, stay with that. See, I'm not see, I'm not that one to say you all have to jump out and just come into this. No, we just need to get in truth. We just need to become scripturally organic and culturally unmodified. If we do that, then we've hit apostleship right there in the center. Isn't that good? I know y'all like that. Because you know, I, I, I came up and I said, Yeah, you got to leave this and leave that. No, you don't. No, you don't. Trust me. Because God wants all sides of his son to be manifested. So let's look at this. Scripture organic, culturally unmodified. Yeah, you're going to hear that a lot. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, because you're going to hear it a lot. To your left on the screen, you see a stack of books. And that stack of books has some titles in there. Those are deliberate because I'm I'm giving you a, a subliminal message and awareness of what's needed for us to become scripturally organic and culturally unmodified. If you look to your right, to the side, well, my right, so whatever, you'll see another, again, collection of books, and you'll see the different titles in them, you know, and, and what it means. Isolating prophetic uh, gifters, you know, or look at this, organizing prophetic company in your church. We've got a whole bunch of things here from cultists to cults. We've got God's true kingdom doctrine. We don't know what that is. Half of us got a gospel we can't find anywhere but in our, in our workbooks and our uh, sermon tapes. So let's move on. Again, so, but every, it's all about knowledge. God is about knowledge. I looked it up. Knowledge is in Scripture nearly 170 times in one single form, knowledge. That excludes know, that excludes knowing, that excludes all of that, but it's in Scripture just as plain knowledge. A product, a, you know, 170 times. And guess what we don't have in the body of Christ? Knowledge, which is dumb. You should look yourself. Just do your own study. How many times does God have no, knows, knowing, and new? That's four variations, no, knows, knowing, and new. Now, I realize that under, you know, the Greek translations, if it's the New Testament and, and all of the other Old Testament translations, they may have a lot of the words, but then again, they don't. They've got synonyms for those words, and those synonyms place the context in which that word should be. So knowledge is a big deal to God. Why? Because what, what, what was it that they got at the tree? Oh, come on, I'm going to hit this thing. I'm excited. Yes, I am. Let's be God. They had to go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to get knowledge of good and evil. But they didn't need the tree. They didn't need any knowledge of the tree of life. Listen, God, by, by downright default, life is good. It's better to be alive than dead in God's mind. And he would know, considering what he's the one that has to dispose of the dead. So he would know. So Adam and Eve were eating from the tree of life, and in that tree of life was the wisdom of God, the totality of the wisdom of God. 
They also did not need to be taught God's wisdom because they were created from it, and they were so fused with God that there was a constant exchange, a constant transmission of that wisdom of the Almighty. What they did not know, come on, people of God, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, what they did not know was evil. They knew how to live. They didn't know how to die. You liked that, didn't you? They did not know how to die. They knew how to live because all they knew was a living God that came into existence as living beings, hallelujah, all the little creatures around them and all of the animals living, and they knew how to tend to them. They understood the animals. The animals understood them. What they did not know how to do was to die. Now, now I'm going to behave. Be the boy out my little claw there. So think about it. Like, for example, you read Proverbs and it says, Righteousness tends to life. It also says, Wisdom gives life. The answer to the tree is all in there. They needed to love, they did not know how to die. And so the knowledge, that's why God called, oh, come on, Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. That's why He called it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They only needed to know how to eat from the tree of life. And every time they ate, goodness happened. Life passed on and on and on and on. As a matter of fact, when we get to the end, God talks about the 12 trees that are for the healing of the nation. That tree is multiplied to become 12. The healing of the nation. So here we go. So they have to go to the serpent, who is the first person to taste death. He's the first person to understand death. Now, he might not have went after it, but that's what he had. You know, Revelation calls him the old serpent, the devil, just in case you did not know why we keep saying that. So now, in history, he left home dead. He got to earth dead. God cast him out because he was dead. He is a consummate embodiment of death and mortality. So mortality existed, but it was confined to that tree, and in particular, more precisely, it was confined to that serpent in that tree. And he had the, the words of eternal death. His words were to set them up to die. And he does it today. He can talk you into killing yourself and thinking it's the best idea. Going, it's so much better to be dead. How does he know? He, I mean, he wouldn't know, but it's not working for him. It's not working for him. He did not rise up against his maker to be dead. He rose up against his maker to rule and to be king. It just didn't work out the way he planned. So, hmm. Holy Father. So Adam and Eve had to learn how to die. And through getting the knowledge of death and doom and disease and destruction, they effectively committed spiritual suicide. They allowed that thing to kill them because they didn't believe God. Now, Adam did not believe God when he said, the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. You know, when I first read that, I used to think, 
Well, I mean, poor thing, he's brand new. I mean, how's he going to know about that? I mean, how can he know? I mean, come on, you put him in his lovely garden, his paradise, all he knows is you. And I'm assuming that he didn't just know God. We always say God, but you know, God comes as a full package. So he had some hosts with him. That's why he had the cherubim all there. He had, they were all there. He, they were, you know, come on, God came as because he comes as an embassy, comes as a, an entourage. He had to bring all of them with him. So here we go. And so they, I, I was just so, so sorry for him. I was just like, God, Jesus is so mean. I mean, that wasn't nice. They couldn't know. And God said, I made Abbott. He took me back to the scripture. He said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, which means the fullness of the knowledge that God gave Adam was enough to let him know that if God said you're going to die, you're going to die. And I am convinced that if he had the fullness of God's knowledge, he knew what death was and he knew that serpent was a problem. But he bought his wife's game. And it costs everybody everything. So knowledge is important. So and now we have to, here's how it was. Adam started life knowing life and nothing about death. We start death knowing death and nothing about life. We have to earn the right to become the children of God by believing on his name. Okay, I like this gospel because I love this Jesus. The sweet sugar pie. I like this. I can preach this 24-7, and I will keep on opening it up. And you know why? Because I'm not trying to figure out all the jots and tittles. That's nice. Bless God. I need a jot and a tittle. That's wonderful. But you know what? I know the man. <laughs> and I deal with the man firsthand. And that's how I understand him. And so he would have told Adam his like now Eve may not have known it because she came from her husband. But Adam knew what he was doing, which is why he let her eat first. I'll see if anything happened to her. If nothing happened to her, then we're gonna find out that our makeup was wrong. And folly. And we'll just have a new restaurant to go to. We'll just have a new thing to add to our menu. And so he let her eat. Because if he had believed God, he would have never let her talk to that serpent enough to be persuaded to eat. But he had his own questions in his heart and a little bit of an ego himself. I want to be like God. But, and we know. Moving on. So the contest in the Garden of Eden was over knowledge. Not the knowledge of eternal life, but the knowledge to die which is why everything in this world wraps itself around the death culture. Moving on. So, developing apostolic Christians requires knowledge and know-how. Because remember, apostolic Christians are culturally, what, scripturally, organic, culturally, unmodified. Apostolic Christians are scripturally, organic, culturally, unmodified. Because the whole purpose of the 12 apostles was to shift world culture from polytheism to Jesus Christ monotheism to make God's faith and God's, um, uh, what did you call it, his, his redemption a global thing and not just a national one. That's what the, the first apostles were confused. They were not.
reasons about why they were out here. They knew that they were taking on a culture of, of demons and devils. I mean, come on, even Stephen knew it. It got him killed. They knew that. They knew they were facing off, but they were bringing the, the world to the rightful owner, its maker, and its creator. When you read those parables, that is what you get. So let's look at this, the knowledge. So in order to do that, let's look at the knowledge. In order to shift, in order to move into apostolic Christianity, you have got to do some things. You've got to, first of all, know the tried and true. We, that's what Adam did. Adam knew life, tried and true. He knew life. But then after that, you have to shift to the new. So let's look at that. Now, let's look under the area of knowledge, shifting to the new. Let's go with, um, I, God is so good. Matthew nine seventeen. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish, but they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Now, we have this thing here three times, and you think it's said the same way three times, but you know it isn't. It's a build upon revelation. Now, we hear, you know, today we hear theologians and commentaries. I've read a lot of them, and a lot of them still preach it to get today. That, you know, I mean, this, this, why is he not saying it the same way? And why is he, he do it this way? And well, why did he say it over here like this and over there like that? Well, you can, I, I ask them, well, why do you not teach your same class the same way? You've been teaching the same class, and you read this stuff and come up with a new revelation, come up with a new plan, and a new this or that. I mean, that's just common sense. We're not even talking about anything. That's not even cerebral thoughts. That's just common sense. So here's what he said. In Matthew, he said, you don't put new wine into old bottles because the bottle will break. If you're taking notes, I want you to write, bottle breaks, and the wine runs out, and the bottles perish. Oh, come on. The bottles perish, but they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Now, I say bottles, but we know it says wineskin in the King James Version because back then they did not really have bottles as we know bottles. But I think they did because they had vases and they had whatever. So, it's, but so the problem in Matthew 19 is that new wine breaks old bottles, and thus, the new wine, which is the Holy Ghost, it floods all over the place. It's uncontrolled. It's all over the place, splashing everywhere. And so they have to get a new bottle to put the new wine in so that both the wine and the bottle are preserved. Let's go to Mark 22. And no, excuse me, Mark 2.22. And no man puts new wine into old bottles, else the new wine does burst the bottles and the wine is filled. And the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles. In Mark's mind, preserving the bottle is important, or the vessel. Now, here's Luke. No man puts new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. The bottle is the vessel, people. New wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. But here's a clue. I've got a clue. I've got another little clue. He follows that up in the next verse with, No man also, having drunk old wine, right away desires new, for he says the old is better. 
Isn't that good? You know what he's saying? He's saying that when people are stuck in their old religion, they are not interested in hearing about the new things. People are going to be a little bit wanting to hear about scripture organic Christianity unless they're already tired of the old. And, and, and so once they've gotten fed up with the old, they're ready for the new. That's why God starts new things slowly, and he says, besides not the day of small beginning, because he knows that people are addicted to the old. They're hooked on the old. I've got a few more minutes. Actually, give me a time count. I'm going to try to finish this up right now. No, and now it's about the, now we talked about the wine. Let's talk about the garment. Your garment is your mantle. Okay? The garment is your, 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 what you wear, your outfit, your uniform of service, whatever. No man puts a piece of new cloth onto old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up takes away from the garment, and the tear, the tear is made worse, or the rent is made worse. So you put on, if we're going to get, we cannot patch your, your Christianity. We can't patch you with the old. We can't patch your old religion. We can't patch you with old-time religion. We can't give you a patch in your mantle. You can't just run through a conference and run through a meeting and come to a prayer session and stand in a prophet and think that that's going to do it because that new thing is so strong and it's so perfect, it's so unflawed that it's going to start causing a fray and it's going to tear away from your old. And, and, and after a while, it's going to rip your garment all together. So just because you have a small appetite for the new doesn't mean you're ready for a new garment. Let's move on. Mark 2.21. No man also sold a piece of new cloth on old garment, else the new piece that fills it up, filling up the hole, takes away from the old. And the rent is made worse or the tear is made worse. So the new thing is going to start pulling away at what you like, what you're familiar with, what you're comfortable with, and that pull away is going to cause conflict, and you're going to be literally splintered in your opinions unless you're ready to make up your mind to go to the next level in God. You know, there are some garments you patch, and there are some garments you replace. Last one. This is the last one. Luke. Luke always goes just a little bit more expansive in his his treatment of the, the Gospels and, and Jesus Christ. I want to thank He spoke also a parable to them. No man puts a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a tear or rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agrees not with the old. Putting new things in an old garment will make them disagree. That disagreement means color differences. It means texture differences. It means strength differences. It means durability differences. And so the strength of that new is not going to agree with the, the tatteredness and the wear and tear of the old, which has been through. It's been through washing and cleaning and et cetera. Anyway, hey, guys, I made it. Even though she gave me 60 seconds, I did well. We come to the end. When we come back next week, we're going to look at the, um, the 21 know-hows that you need to get along in God's scripturally organic, culturally unmodified environment. Don't miss it. Next week, Tuesday night, that's what we're going to cover, the 21 know-hows you need to master in God's scripturally organic, culturally unmodified environment. Hey, Thursday, 11 a.m. Central, don't forget, Paula Price Show, Block Talk Radio, and Periscope, and then Thursday evening, 
Prophetic Ed Friday, we kick it off with, oh, I'm just so excited, Women's Restoration Weekend. You don't want to miss it. Hey, did you hear me? I'm on fire already, so I just want you to know it will not be a waste of time or effort. God bless you, and good night. <laughs>